Welcome back, listeners, to another edition of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast here from the Chicago Bills backers. Uh, I'm Lars. I'm joined tonight by my good buddy, Billy the Kid Nichols. Oh, man, that was not good. And, of course, joining us tonight, uh, the always beautiful Miss Cassie Ozark is here as well. Still nursing the hangover. Yeah, that's right. It's a pretty gloomy day in Bills Nation. It has been since Sunday afternoon. We are still without Jam and Jeff Day, who is in Italy right now. Um, but the three of us are going to go through the absolute debacle that was Sunday's game against the Jets. But more importantly, we're going to talk about the Chiefs. If you want to find us, you can find us at BillsAndBeers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. Communicate with us. Send us a tweet at BillsAndBeers or just send us an email at BillsAndBeers at gmail.com. However, we're unlikely to answer it because that was just an email address to set up so we could log into Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We've got a beer sponsor this week. We are going to get back in with the Ball Burglars as well. Uh, we're going to have to spread out that cost a little bit this year, at least not put it solely on Cassie's credit card. Um, and it's a good thing we weren't signed up last week because we really didn't miss giving them much. But we'll get to that a little later on. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, drown those sorrows from the New York Jets game not two days ago. Let me start off by saying that, yes, there was a bright spot in this game. His name was C.J. Spiller. And I don't want to get into just yet the implications of what this means for Freddie Jackson, but I'm sure it'll come up at some point over the next three to six weeks. However, that game, literally, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Cassie, you very wisely last week identified turnovers as something that could cost us the game. I don't think you or anybody else would have predicted the Bills would give up four turnovers, one for a touchdown. Nor do I think anybody would have suggested that they would give up four turnovers and a punt return for a touchdown. Literally, nothing could go right. We lost our third best wide receiver to a season-ending injury, and we lost last year's offensive MVP in the first half of the game. Freddie Jackson down three to six weeks. Literally, things could not have possibly gone any worse. Does that make you optimistic for this Sunday? Yes, actually, I do. I, I've been saying this, and when people have been asking me, oh, that was awful, that was terrible. You know what? Last year we came out, and we actually played the Chiefs on opening day in Kansas City, and we blew them out of the water, right? We went, what, 3-0, 4-0 last year. You know, we had this unbelievable record. We've had that for the last few years. And you know what? We tanked at the end of every single one of those seasons. So I am saying this is good for us. Come out. We have some issues. We're going to fix it. We lose our first game, but we've, we know what we need to do. So I think that, yes, nothing could have gone worse, but I, I'm seeing the silver lining to this. Uh, yeah, I'm not that optimistic on this. Uh, and the thing that pisses me off, uh, it's starting to piss me off more and more, is and really just also after watching Chan Gailey's uh, press conference, uh, most recent press conference, so I think it was on Monday. Uh, I mean, he sounds depressed. The guy is not, I mean, he is not, you know, your coach is supposed to sort of, you know, get out there and, uh, and sort of rally the, rally the truth, make, make the fans feel good. He did not look, uh, you know, one bit optimistic. And uh, his play calling, um, it just, I don't know, it, 
I wouldn't say the offensive play calling was atrocious. Really? The turnovers I mean, were th- those were those were human error. The defensive play calling, you could put a big fat yeah, question no, mark sure. next to that. Sure, but I guess uh, you know I've always been a proponent of Chan and uh, you know his him being an offensive mastermind, uh, and he just keeps getting owned uh, by. Um, by but his, again, by his I'm, I'm going to say Fitz's three of his inters- we had three interceptions, right? All three of them were bad throws. They were misreads that he messed up. Now, you can say that, uh, you know, he wasn't well prepared. Doesn't matter. That second throw, he had David Nelson open. He threw it behind him. It was a bad throw. That first one to Rivas, same thing. Horribly timed, bad throw. The third one, maybe miscommunication could be on the offense. But I I counter your claim that the play calling was poor by C.J. Spiller's performance. He knew who had his hot hand, and he kept going to the guy, and he put up a buck seventy on the on the ground. Yeah, but when your quarterback throws a first pick or a second pick or a third pick, why didn't we see one screenplay? Why didn't we start seeing things like shorter dumps, you know, opening up? Why didn't we see maybe I know I'm saying it a draw play? It's scary for me to say that I want to see one of those, but why didn't we see any of that? We know Fitzy succeeds at getting those balls and, and checking down and, and making those complete passes to pick up first downs. I, that's my biggest question, why we didn't see that. Okay, but let, let me also just center this conversation for a second here because I don't believe that the offense was to blame for our loss on Sunday. I think we all went into that game expecting a defensive showdown, and our defense didn't even show up. Okay, so yeah... Offensive play calling could have been better, but our offense didn't give up 48 points. They gave up seven, and then our special teams gave up another seven. So our defense spotted them 34 points, four touchdowns, two field goals. That's not a winning formula. I don't care who your play caller is. I don't care who your quarterback is. You're not putting yourself in a position to win if you cannot stop the other team. I still go back to the point. It's like, okay, if CJ's got the hot hand, why are you not just running the ball and setting it, like setting up the the pass? Uh, you know, I we, think we were we doing default, that. Though. We default. How much play action did we you default see? to to pass. I mean, it's just that that's Changeli's offense. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick, it, one game fine, but if he continues to falter, then you need to, uh, you know, start. I start, you know, stop being like, you know, yeah, he, he thinks he knows, but he, he just, you know, wants to be stubborn because he's so smart, and uh, that's Changeli, and start, you know, developing a little bit of a different offensive game plan and, and just try and, you know, utilize your, your running backs to set up those passes, or at least run, like, more more balance. Just Well, let me throw a bone to the anti-Gailey crowd, because I'm not totally against that sentiment. I'm not really thrilled with what I saw out there. And I made the comment recently, too. I was a defender of Dick Jerron right until the end. It wasn't until a few days before we fired him where I was like, that's it, we can't do this anymore. But in Dick Jerron's credit, his teams didn't get shellacked the way we got beat two days ago. And the way we got beat by them two years ago in in Buffalo when we went to the game in October... <sighs> Or the way we got beat by them last year in Buffalo during the whiteout game. Chan Gailey gets smacked around every once in a while, and I don't like that. But here's the bone I'm going to throw to you. TJ Graham, what's up? He's a third-round pick. You mean to tell me that he can't get on the roster, he can't make it onto the field, but Brad Smith, who literally didn't contribute anything on Sunday, 
needs to be in the roster as a third-string quarterback and or wide receiver and or kick returner, whatever it is he does, he was more valuable to our team than T.J. Graham was on Sunday? Uh, seriously, I think it, it's... Chan is, like, just a, he's stubborn, and if he decides that TJ is not ready, like, TJ is not ready. It's the same thing with Chan still running, uh, shard choice, because you're on the goal line. It's like, dude, yeah, just because, I mean, he just gets it in his head that that's, like, what he's going to do, and I mean, that was so obvious. Oh, like, you know, yeah. CJ, 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 it's shard choice. He's on my fantasy team, but... You go home with the girl who brought you there, and CJ took that ball all the way down to the one-yard line. Just keep him on the sidelines, I think. Now, granted, it was after a long run. He could have been winded. Who knows? But I'm with you there. Okay, but that's enough. We pride ourselves on optimism here, and we've been real doom and gloom. Everybody in Bill's Nation, the media, the, the message boards have just blown up in the last 48 hours. So I don't think we need to really rehash this anymore. Nothing that ha- that we're going to say needs to be said again. And I don't think we have any insight that nobody out there has already offered. So let's get off this topic. I agree with you, Cass. It can only go up from here. We do have a very easy seven-game stretch to finish off the season. they got to turn it around, and we got two opportunities to do so over the next two weeks, starting Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank So as we're looking forward to the Chiefs here, uh, and looking forward, I put in uh, quotation marks here. Uh, hey, man, I started C.J. Spiller in fantasy on Sunday. I'm very yeah, much yeah, looking yeah, forward yeah, yeah. to the Kansas City good Chiefs. Good for you. Okay? <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, as opposed to caring about fantasy, simply care about the wins and losses of our <laughs> beloved team here. Uh, so, I mean, we'll break down the offense, uh, off- our offense against their defense here first. <laughs> Freddie down. All right, whatever. Johnny White back. Johnny White back. Uh, David interesting. Nelson, he gone. An interesting, uh, interesting that uh, we didn't bring up a Roosevelt or a Easley as opposed to Johnny or White. Kamar Aiken, yeah. Uh, so that's something but we can, we we can discuss. Graham, but we have TJ Graham, We have TJ Graham to plug in. There. Uh, one of the questions I think it was uh, John Murphy or somebody asked in a pre- press conference to Chan was, you know, how how. Uh, What's the percentage of like plays that you know this limits you uh, in sort of uh, you know losing David Nelson? Like how much of your offense uh, is taken off the? Yeah, exactly. What was his answer? Uh, he said he can't put a percentage on it, of but course. he was just like, yeah, right, it's a right. big. It's I, a big I have flow. to look at the tape. That's usually his answer to every yeah, question. We'll have to but, go back and look at the tape. I mean, it, broadly speaking, we don't even need to, I guess, speak about specifically about the the Chiefs. But how do you guys think that? that affects us and how you think we're going to be able to deal with it? I'm not really that shook up about it. Um, I think that David Nelson was a great release valve. He was very reliable, but he is not doing anything out there that Scott Chandler can't do. And I know you hate him, Cassie, and I'm not too thrilled about him either, but Donald Jones throughout preseason, even on Sunday, he's pretty sure-handed himself. Uh, He's not good on the outside, but when he gets the ball or when he turns around and looks for the ball, he generally comes down with it. So I don't know, and again, we talked about we're going to be adding um, T.J. Graham into the mix here, so that's going to, that, that'll switch things up too. I don't think we're going to lose a whole lot not having David Nelson in. We might have elements of our game that we will not replace, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be worse for wear. Does that make sense? It does. We'll replace it with things that are as good, if not better. I, I think the one thing that makes me nervous about new, miss, or 
not having David Nelson now is he was, I feel like, a, a target for Fitzy. When Fitzy had like a third down, he really wanted to hit someone who he knew would make the catch. Big guy that can go up there. Fitzy's not as accurate as he should be. You know, he'll go up there and try to make the catch. So that's the one thing that makes me nervous about missing him is, is not exactly him, but the role that he played um, in regards to our quarterback who's struggling to begin with. Um, so I think that's the biggest, you know, piece. I, I, I'm going to miss Freddie because I think, you know, being able to throw CJ and Freddie in there and have kind of that dual running back is key. I mean... Can I, can I speak to this for a second? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> CJ Spiller, for the last six games, mm-hmm. has been on a tear. And several times during the preseason, I mistook him for Freddie. Now, what did we see from CJ on Sunday? We saw what we always knew to be true. That guy can literally score a touchdown every time he touches the ball. He gets in space, and he's you're not going to catch him. You mentioned it on Sunday that he didn't even bother turning around once he broke those the tackles from David Harris and LeRon Landry on his 56-yarder because he knows he doesn't have to. Once he has full speed ahead, nobody in the NFL is going to catch him. So I love Freddie Jackson, but the fact that CJ has started to implement elements of Freddie's game into his and can do things physically that Fred Jackson is simply incapable of doing... I th- I, hon- I honestly think we're coming out ahead on this. I also think that Fred, that, excuse me, that CJ Spiller will get better the more touches he gets. So the fact that he's not splitting now mm-hmm. and has that chance to get his to get his motor running, you know, to get a hot head out there, I think is going to benefit him and our offense tremendously. I'll tell you what, uh, I was really really impressed listening to CJ on John Murphy show yesterday. Uh, on WGR, he, the, I mean, you know, he's not the brightest guy in the world, right? Uh, at CJ, and he's, I mean, he spoke very, he spoke very well, and he was, he, he was totally like of the mindset of, like, yes, like I know I can do this, but I'm totally not satisfied, and I can still be more patient. Uh, you know, I thought a really interesting thing was, um, what was the quote? It was something about like. Uh, one of the thi- like one of his biggest struggles was like in his first uh, you know year and a half he he thought like e- every single time he touched he touched the ball he thought he I mean he wanted to break it and like you know just take it and like just immediately sort of like hit it up the field and run and just and he re- like he realized that he can still do that but sometimes in the NFL you have to sort of wait for your uh, wait, wait for um, the, the, crease, the blocks the to actually blocks, right. uh, to happen, uh, and I just thought that was, it was interesting because like he, he is, had the that, right mindset. But that is like, clearly clicked for him. Yes, yeah. I mean I you, you can totally see him now. He's patient. But he it, runs in tempo with the play, just like Freddie does. But it was mm-hmm. cool, like hearing him say, like he's like he's he's gotten better at that. But he was like, yeah, I already know there are there are a few times I'm watching the tape where I could have been more patient. Uh, which is just like the guys, you know, he's not yeah. he got 170 yards, and, uh, and he was also like, it sounds like, I mean, he and Freddie are, you, you hear, you hear, oh yeah, it's great, but I mean, he just he spoke like very yeah. honestly about the fact that like you know Freddie like and him just have like a great relationship, which is that that's one of those things too that like makes a huge difference. Like CJ doesn't become the player like when you struggle in your you know rookie season, you think you're you're an all star, you need that that. Well, let's be presence, clear. So. C.J. Spiller would not be the player he is right now if it wasn't for Fred Jackson. 
It's clear to me mm -hmm. that he has emulated Fred Jackson and he has learned from Fred Jackson and a lot of it is that tempo, that patience that we've been talking about. Yeah. And just going back to the injury and like we're saying, this this teammate, this this camaraderie that they have, I just think that we're gonna miss that on the field. I think you know, when Spiller comes out or now he's like, Okay, it's now all on my shoulders, I don't have Freddie to rely on. And and Spiller I know is gonna be excited, but you know, if he does make a long run and then, you know, he's winded, well, who are we going to go to? Yeah, well, you know, we, already, we already saw what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. the thing with Nelson, uh, it's like, imagine if a month ago we were looking toward the season and Nelson was not part of the lineup. Like, what would we be thinking? We would be thinking, shit. I, see, like, I don't what? know, man. I, I, I come back to, like, we'd be thinking, eh, uh, dude, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I, I he strikes me as more of a luxury than a dude, we're both, bit of But a we were man. all talking about, cut, you know, we hate Donald Jones. Like, let's cut Donald Jones. And, like, now it's like, all right, oh, now Donald Jones is, like, our guy. And, like, we're getting excited about it. I'm just saying, like, that's great, right? But a few weeks ago, if we're in the same scenario, like, I mean, we're trying our best to be optimistic. Uh, but it's it's a tough tough situation. Okay, all right. Well, let's looking ahead to Sunday. This offense against the Chiefs defense, and we we all been kind of wallowing in self pity now for long enough. That I don't know if we've really got a good read on what the Chiefs are capable of doing. They got smoked by Atlanta on here's Sunday. A, here's a, another bright spot. I don't know. Um, did Fitz get sacked? No, once he did not. But he got neither rushed. did Mark he Sanchez. Got, he, did, he did take a hit. Okay. Um, Maven didn't have any sacks. So yeah, that thank was God. Good. Oh, thank Actually, they God. didn't even mention his name once, did they? No, no, no they didn't, didn't hear it. But, okay, this week against Kansas City, I fully expect CJ to have another monster game. I do. I'm, I'm saying that right now. I fully expect him to, even if that means averaging 2.3 yards per carry on 16 carries and blowing 40, 240-yard runs out of the stadium. Don't care. He will get over 100 yards, and I think he'll get at least one touchdown. But I have never, since he took over for this team, and, and I know other people have expressed the trepidation about this guy, I've never had less faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick than I do right now. For a long time, every time he dropped back, I felt good about it. Now every time he drops back, I'm a little bit on edge. Do you think we need to be worrying about that against the Chiefs, or is that just the Jets, the, the Jets mojo that got in his head once again this past Sunday? I think it's the Jets mojo. I, I completely agree with you. I am not confident. I don't have his back. I'm kind of sitting there saying, oh, crap. Like, what are we going to do? Um, I, I'm going to say it again. It's just the play calling. It has to be more in line for setting Ryan Fitzpatrick up for the good first drive. When he has that first drive, completing passes, making first downs, getting points on the board, if we can do a first drive like that, I think I will start to restore some of the confidence very quickly. Um, but if he starts off like he did against the Jets, I mean, it's yeah. – the fans are going to be booing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one thing we haven't touched on yet, uh, and I, I, we mentioned it briefly. Let's talk about this defense <laughs> against the Chiefs, okay? <laughs> now, we're pulling out our hair on Sunday trying to figure out why we can't get any pressure on Mark Sanchez, okay? Uh, he, was make, he was making good, quick throws. Good for him, okay? But why were our defensive backs playing five to eight yards – off the wide receivers. It was Dick Duran all over again. Now, what was at least, at the very least, reassuring about that was when Chan Gailey came out and said, we got to pressure them on the outside. We can't be doing that on the outside. Now, now, why he didn't have that revelation 
halfway through the first quarter like the rest of Bills Nation. I'll never know, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. It is only week two, so they'll hopefully make the adjustment. But, but boy, oh boy, can our young cornerbacks step up? Can they handle the pressure? I'm saying they don't need to pressure. They just need to um, you know, stall the play momentarily. We don't need these guys to be locked down. We just need them to disrupt it long enough. Can they do it? Can they get there when the ball gets there? Can they interrupt the pass? Can they make a tackle while they're receiving the like they're they're making a tackle turning and having time. I mean that's how far off I feel like our cornerbacks and safeties nobody was near some of those plays. That was the most frustrating part of Sunday. And if that happens again I don't know. I mean is it one stat? Well here's the thing. Uh, right after we we hired Wanstead the first time, before he was made defensive coordinator, I called up my good buddy, BZ, who you know. Uh, he's a fan of all Pittsburgh sports. He, he's arguably the smartest person I know, uh, but when it comes to sport, he's got a... Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he, no, I'm sorry, bro. Blows you out of the water. Come on. He's got a sports acumen across all sports that rivals none as far as anybody that I know, and he's a big Pitt fan. So when we hired Wanstead, I called him up and said, hey, what's the deal with, uh, what's the deal with this guy? And he goes... Uh, your defenses will be solid. Uh, they will not be exotic. Uh, you won't blitz a lot. He'll run out of the base formation a lot, and you're just going to get a pretty vanilla defense, which is what we yeah, saw on Sunday. Saw. Yeah. That's exactly what we saw on Sunday, and you know what I saw when I was watching the Ravens and the Chargers and other teams that did well? Excitement? Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. Exotic blitz packages, things that throw the quarterback off. We seem to be playing this reactionary football out there that isn't doing us a hill of beans of good, and we've so got what, all the talent okay. in the world. So what is the th- what's the theory behind behind just running that like very simple defense? Is it like so the players can get that good at ex- like executing? Don't because you know. would think that. It means you're, you're afraid of whatever the offense is going to do to counter you. That's why teams don't blitz Tom Brady, because he's so good at finding the soft spot against the blitz. And I don't get it. I don't get that against Mark Sanchez. I get that against Tom Brady. If it happens this week against Castle, I'm going to be pissed. But but my question is, I feel like we have a, an older defense. You know, we have um, Mario, Kyle, Mario, Kyle, George Wilson, George Wilson McKelvin, Barnett. Barnett. If they're running something vanilla, I mean, why aren't they stepping up and saying something? I mean, they have to have a football IQ out there that's like. Oh, I see what's going on. We we aren't challenging the quarterback. We aren't pressuring. Like, why aren't they stepping up and saying something? I, I mean, agree. I totally agree. And that that was actually that was kind of the logic I used when I used to defend Jerron was that you know there are professional football players out there have to make plays too. At some point in time, they can cut free from whatever the coach is saying and do their own thing. It's worked before. See every two minute drill in the history of the NFL for further examples. Once you cut that cord with the offensive coordinator, it's amazing what these players are capable of doing. So I hear you on that, Cass. And again, totally befuddled. If we see it again this week, which I don't think we will. I don't think we will. I am praying that we don't see that this week. But that doesn't mean that we won't. But if someone's been that consistent across their career, Wanset, of being like that. I know, I know. And by the way, Mario Williams played like an absolute bitch. He better step it up. You heard it here first, Mario Williams. I'm ready to cheer for you, but you haven't done shit in the Bills uniform yet. You need to get it together. So I agree. Uh, I don't. Ha- I'll tell you, I don't have that big of a problem with his 
with his comments about like doesn't matter. He got taken one on one against mm-hmm. Howard, whoever that guy was, and that guy yeah. owned him. He's the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, and he got owned one on one by a journeyman right tackle That's in true. the opening game of the season. That is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And if Juan Sat isn't up in his face, he needs to lose his job too. There, I said it. <sighs> Sunday was such a debacle. I, 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 this is how I liken it. There are two ways in this world to die, okay? You can die by getting killed by an airplane that drops from the sky and you never see it coming and just all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. Mm-hmm. Or you can die a long, slow, painful death in a hospital bed somewhere, okay, where somebody has to change your bedpan three times a day. I think that Sunday's loss was more the former. It was it was like a band-aid being ripped off. It was so hard and it was it was just so demoralizing that it almost didn't affect me. And I was in a pretty good mood. Jack and I left, we went to the Lakeview Arts Fest, we looked at some things for her to get for her bridesmaids. And I was kind of and also I love early football season Sundays in Chicago. It beautiful. the weather's always beautiful. People, everybody is wearing NFL gear. Most people Bears gear. You see some Packers, Vikings, Lions, but you see you see a little bit of everything. Steelers, you see some Bills, some Browns, you see some Niners. Everybody's wearing their Bills gear. It's like walking through an NFL commercial, okay? So I was just kind of digging it. I was kind of digging the vibes because the loss, it was just it was almost too it was too bad to be true. Okay. Yeah, but but I was still a little vulnerable. We have fifteen right, okay. more. But games. I was I was just vulnerable enough to be but in do a we have to, fifteen more of those games. That was <laughs> that was the intro to the anecdote. Let me finish. So I've got just enough vulnerability. Jack and I are coming down the street here, and out the front door of our building walks a gentleman in a Jets uniform. Oh god. Walking what is a dog, and I use air quotes around dog that weighs no more than a pound and a half. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. This guy's wearing the Jets jersey. He's about five foot eight, bowl full of jelly, swarthy, looks like straight jersey trash. He looks like everything about a Jets fan that I couldn't possibly hate more. And in that moment, I wanted to rip his pudgy little head off his shoulders, okay? I was doing fine until I saw that bastard. So Jackie's walking next to me, and I'm swearing under my breath, like, to no end. And she's like, Lars, knock it off. He can't hear me. He walks his dog up the street. We get to the front door, and Jackie announces that she locked us out. Mm. She left the keys here in the apartment. So here we are, standing outside, at, at the mercy... Oh, don't let me out. At the mercy of whoever can come along, in or out of our building next. Standing there, standing there, standing there. And guess who gets back from walking his dog down the corner? And there I am, standing in my Bill's sweatshirt. Oh, boy. Okay? And he walks right up to us and goes, Ooh, this is awkward, huh? How about that offense today, huh? They look kind of sharp out there. Wouldn't you agree, buddy? Okay? Now, I am literally this close to slapping his 5 o'clock shadow right off his face. Okay? I said nothing. I just stared a hole right through his face. I literally didn't even make a sound. He's like trying to converse with me, and he's like, nah, okay, well, anyway, buddy, have a good night. And the whole time, Jackie's just sta- standing there mouthing the words, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. But honestly, it could, and I just basically just camped out in my chair and pouted for the next four hours after <laughs> that. But that was honestly the worst thing that could have happened to me. I went from being in a not-so-bad mood to being pissed at the world. Okay, let's get into Wild Garden predictions now.
Okay, enough doom and gloom, enough pessimism, enough frustration for one week. We got the Chiefs coming up. It's going to be a great home win for the Bills. So before we get to that, we are Bills and Beers. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to donate money once again to the Ball Burglars, which I believe is $1 per turnover, $2 per turnover that turns into a touchdown. And the Bills will be donating, excuse me, the Bills and Beers crew here will be donating that money again this year. I do believe all proceeds go to research for childhood cancer. Can't go wrong. What do people do if they want? want to be involved in that they have a ball burglar yeah just uh it's all one word ball burglar uh, they got a twitter handle just look for them a great organization uh bills and beers is proud to sponsor them sponsoring us this week this is bills and beers and every week we're going to do a new beer to describe to our listeners because we do trust that all of you are over the age of 21 and all of you do drink responsibly Last week we did Nude Beach by Point, the the Wisconsin brewery, and today from a brewery in Longmont, Colorado, hometown of a dear, dear friend of mine, Britton Lehman, who, by the way, had a legendary performance in the 2005 game, the Saturday night game against the Denver Broncos. Denver, excuse me. Britton from Longmont, Colorado, himself a Broncos fan. We spent the night at Jeff Day's house. We'll have Jeff fill in the details some other time, but this is from the left-hand brewery of Longmont, Colorado. It is the Oktoberfest, the Marzen Lager. Cassie picked it out from the local binnies. Quite tasty. It's a nice deep amber red. Goes down smooth, quite crisp, and a little bit sweet as well. So check it out if you're over 21. And always, from the folks here at Bills and Beers, drink responsibly. Okay, folks. <laughs> drink responsibly. Okay. So, Billy, it's the end of the episode, which can only mean one thing. Wild card! That's right, folks, it's wild card time. Cassie, you got something you want to interject? You know what? We missed the wild card last week. We jinxed the game. We're, we're back on schedule now. We got the wild card. Wait, did we not do we wild card? We did not do wild card next week, last week. Uh... Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, as the person who uh, edits and posts the podcast, Bills and Beers, I want to issue a formal apology to every member of Bills Nation for single-handedly being responsible for the Bills' loss against the Jets. So when we finish this season 15-1 and and we want to know who the asshole is to blame for the one loss, that would be me, folks. You can send all hate mail to wnichols1 at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this week's wild card. Uh, we are Bills and Beers. We got our sponsor beer this week, the Oktoberfest Mars and Lager from the good folks at Left Hand Brewery in Longmont, Colorado. So, Cassie and Bill, if the Buffalo Bills were a beer, which beer would they be and why? Bill, you and I had this discussion three short years ago to finish out season one of Bills and Beers. Cassie, what do you think? What beer best personifies our beloved Buffalo Bills? I'm going to have to go with a Heineken right now, and not for the reasons why you guys think. So, Because you always drop some sort of sexual statement throughout Bills and Beers? No. Oh, I don't know what I'm thinking about. I really don't have any thoughts no, on Heineken. No, because, you know, Heineken, a stuffy, you know, beer, you know, it's kind of a, a lofty beer. Sure. No, do you know why it's Heineken? Because it comes in those green bottles, and sometimes you think you're going to enjoy the most delicious lovable tasting beer and you open it up and it's stank nasty you know why that oh. represents our bills because they were stank nasty last week wow heard it here first cassie has bad experiences with heineken beer i can't say i've had those experiences cassie but i'll take your word for it and that's a very apt analogy kudos to you billy what you got i'm gonna go for rolling rock Wow, another green bottled beer. Interesting. <laughs> it is, uh, and it's because I used to like it a lot, 
and now I'm starting to realize it really does not taste that good. <laughs> okay. All right. Again, wonderful analogy. Uh, and since you guys went green bottled beers, I'm going to uh, go ahead and round out the trilogy, and I'm going to go with Yinling Lager, uh, North America's second largest American-owned brewery, uh, North America's oldest brewery from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. You cannot get it east of Ohio. And here's why I picked Yinling, not only because of the green bottle, but because it's very regional in nature. And it takes a lot of convincing Wait, to tell other people. You cannot get it east of, west of Ohio. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Okay. <laughs> you cannot get it west of Ohio, but it takes a lot of convincing. Anybody who's never heard of Yinling, it's kind of got a weird, funny name, like the Buffalo Bills, and they're kind of like, what's that all about? I don't get it. But who cares? It's old. I never heard of it. Okay? And much like you, used to love Yinling, still do love Yinling, and Yinling will forever have a nice, warm place in my heart. Yep. However, Yinling... Tough to drink a lot of it. <laughs> the more you drink, the bigger your headache gets. <laughs> so, just like the Buffalo Bills, the more you double down on your love for the Buffalo Bills, the more it'll come back and put a spike through your brain. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great episode. I know we're all predicting wins, so real quick, we're going to go around. Cassie, what's your final score prediction for this Sunday? 27-20 Buffalo Bills. Okay, Bill? I think we'll put up 24 and we're going to hold them to uh, 10 points. Okay, 24-10. Cassie's recording this. So, Cassie, I want you to put this down digit by digit. Final score at the Ralph Wilson Stadium. The first regular season game of 2012. Mario Williams' first game in the Ralph that really matters. Buffalo 68. Kansas City 3. <laughs> I'll take responsibility for the win as well because uh, I am going to be there this week. All right. Well, Bill, cheer hard. If you're going to the game, cheer hard as well. Find us on Facebook, BillsAndBeers.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Hope you enjoyed our episode today. We enjoyed having you. We're so very thankful. Tell a friend. Tell everybody you know in Bill's Nation. Tell people who are ambiguous about football in general. Who cares? It's a great time. We love talking to you. We'll be back next week. Go Bills. Bills make me wanna Shout!